Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the IronStream podcast. My name is Will Shingleton. I am here with IronStream CEO and founder, Dr. John Herring. How are you doing today, John? Doing well, Will. Good to, good to be with you. Excited about another podcast this week. And we had the privilege of speaking with Dr. John DeGarmo, who wrote a book called Church and Foster Care. It's a terrific read. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's all about the church and their role in uh, furthering the ministry part of foster care. He has a ton of experience with it, uh, has a lot of foster kids in his home currently, and that have been in his home with he and his wife over the years. John, what did you think of our interview with Dr. DeGarmo? Uh, Dr. DeGarmo is an impressive man. He certainly has the credentials, but more than that, his heart for foster care and for adoption and his uh his ability to not only be an advocate for foster care, but also he is an example to us on how we could individually or our families, or specifically in this case, how the church can minister and care for foster kids and the families who are involved in foster care. It's a growing epidemic in our country. We have such a need for more and more uh, from our Christian community to get involved and to uh, be foster parents and for churches, uh, specifically, how to respond and react to foster kids who come into the, the walls of the church. So uh, during the uh, interview uh, on the podcast today, Dr. DeGarmo is going to give some very helpful tips on how the church can be involved and help uh, with foster families. Yeah. It's a tough issue. It's difficult to navigate, but Dr. DeGarmo does not shy away from it. Without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. John DeGarmo. First thing I would ask, just kind of give us a little bit of a sense of your background, like how you got started in this direction and even up leading up towards how you ended up wanting to write the book. Sure, sure. So I've been a foster parent for, let's see, 17 years now. I've had over 60 kids come through my home and uh, really has been a mission field for my wife and I. I never, ever considered becoming a foster parent. It was never on my radar. There was something I really wanted to do. I had those misconceptions that so many people have about foster care, about foster parents, about the kids in foster care, and I was pretty much wrong in every single one of them. But here I am 60 kids later, and uh, as, as I said, it's really become a mission field for my wife. And as I travel the nation working with foster parents, I hear one thing over and over again. People are becoming foster parents because they feel called to do so. They feel it's part of their faith mission, part of their um, extension of their faith. So uh, I wrote this book, Faith in Foster Care, and that got great uh, reception from foster parents. And I thought, you know what? There's a mission field out there for our churches, for our churches. We don't have to go to, to Mexico or Nicaragua or Honduras. And those are all wonderful places. I've done that myself. My kids have done that themselves. Uh, but we don't have to go overseas or out of the country for a mission field. There's a mission field right here in America. There's a mission field in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities. There's about 500,000 kids in the foster care system, and there are not enough homes for these children. So where do they go? Where do they go? So that's the mission field for today's uh, organizations of faith. And I spell out in the book, The Church and Foster Care, that everybody does not have to be a foster parent to help these children. Everybody can help a child in foster care in some way. And that's where our churches, that's where people of faith can step up and say, you know what? I want to help these kids. These are God's children in crisis. 
Matthew 25, 35 says, For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you gave me clothing. That's these children. That's these children that people of faith can take care of and help, help to bring hope and to bring healing and bring that unconditional love that they surely need. I'm just like sprinkled into each one of the chapters, each one of the, you know, the sections of the book, you have all of these different stories. Uh, <laughs> Of various people like where did you find those are those your experiences how did those end up making it into the book you know some of those questions uh, some of those stories are my own stories and i've also had the pleasure and uh, opportunity to to speak to foster parents across the nation and across the globe and many of them have shared those stories with me and uh, that's how they got sprinkled throughout the book those are stories that really impacted and touched my own life and i felt that they gave a really good insight into how people of faith can help children foster care. And so like, and then there's also questions at the end of every chapter. So is this something like you would see um, potentially like a group going through or is it, was this just, are those questions meant for more personal reflection? This is a book that is designed really for Sunday schools, for organizations, for church groups to sit down at the end of each chapter and, and discuss how they can help these kids to gain some insight. You know, one of, the, one of the great things that I have as a foster parent is I belong to a foster parent support group, and we meet monthly, and we, uh, we learn from each other, we learn from our stories, we laugh, we cry, we, we gain support, and that's what I wanted to do with this book. I wanted people to get together and listen to these stories from other people and to examine them and think about how that church is being called. Can they help with clothes closets? Can they help with meals? Can they help with school supplies? How can their church use it as an outreach mission. Gotcha. So like, there's a, a distinction that you draw in the book and you, you kind of elaborate on the difference between the two things, but like, how do we go from fostering situation to adoption? Oh, great, great question. Thanks for asking. Well, a child in foster care is placed into a foster care home uh, for several reasons, whether it's abuse, neglect, abandonment, whatever it may be. And during the time they're placed in a foster care home, the birth parents or the biological family members have a certain amount of time that they have to undergo a process towards reunification. Reunification is the parents and the child being reunified. And those birth parents or biological family members have to go to parenting classes, have to get stable jobs, have to have drug testing, um, and heal from their own trauma before that reunification takes place. If they don't do that, for some reason they're not able to, to, to make that. Um, then that's known as uh, termination of parental rights, TPR, which means the parental rights of the parent have been terminated and the child is now open for adoption. This is a process that takes place anywhere between 18 months to, to two years. Um, about 125,000 children in foster care every year are up for adoption. I've had the blessing of adopting three kids from foster care myself. Now, the reality is I've also had the, um, the, uh, re the, um, the well, how do you put it? I have, I have experienced four failed adoptions, which means four times the adoptions did not work out for some reason or another. And that's very typical for foster parents as well. Sometimes those adoptions do not go through, and that can be, be heart-wrenching. Yeah. And you, you talked very briefly about some of the misconceptions that people have about the foster care system. Um, and you go into some detail about like the, the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of being a foster parent and what 
a lot of times kids have to be rescued from in those kind of situations. But can you just briefly go over what those misconceptions are, how people can you know, kind of move away from that? You know, I had I had misconceptions myself before I was a foster parent. I had the belief that the kids were bad kids. I had the belief that foster parents were a bit odd, a bit strange. I had the belief that foster parents were in it for the money. You know, only one of those things is true, and that is foster parents are a bit odd. We have to be odd to do what we do. It is a very different type of lifestyle. Uh, it's the most exhausting thing I've ever done. At the same time, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Every child that's come through my home has made me a better person in some way. The kids aren't bad kids. These are children who are suffering from abuse, who are suffering from neglect, who have been abandoned. Um, foster parents are certainly not enough for the money. They do get a small per diem um, per day by the state, but it's very, very little. Uh, so if they're in it for the money, I have no idea how they're doing that. Uh, as a foster parent, I try to give my kids, and I need to make this clear, every child in my home is my child. There's no label of foster or adopted or biological. They're all my kids, and I want to give them every single opportunity. So that means, yes, I'm paying out of my own pocket for them to go to band or for them to go to a choir or for them to, to uh, be in the wrestling team or basketball team or debate team, whatever it may be, and that's, that's perfectly fine. I, I don't accept to um, – I don't expect to get that reimbursed by the state. I'm not in it for that. I'm in it to give these children an opportunity to, to find healing, to find hope. These children are not bad kids. They're just victims of their environment. And they need one thing, for someone to love them unconditionally so much that it hurts when the children leave. You know, and there's another misconception there, too. I hear all the time, Dr. John, I couldn't do what you do. It would hurt too much to get the kids back. And I tell them, well, that's how it's supposed to be. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. These children need someone to love them with all their heart so that when they do go back to their birth parents or biological family members or whatever it may be, it does hurt the foster parent, but that's a good thing. It means we've given them what they need more than anything else, for someone to love them so much that their hearts break when um, they're separated. And for somebody who would go into a situation like that with those misconceptions, and this can be either from like, a, a personal setting or like you talked about in that church Sunday school type setting, how would you counsel somebody on avoiding those misconceptions or even just how to connect with a foster kid who you know, may have been passed around or have, you know, trauma from their past? How would you counsel somebody in connecting with them? Well, that's a really great question. I realized, I recognized within the first placement of my child from foster care that I was not prepared for it. I had the training. I went through extensive training. I had been the parent of three children myself. I had been a teacher. My wife had a degree in psychology. But we both recognized that we weren't ready for the reality of what happened. It's a four-year-old girl and her uh, four-month-old sister, and they had suffered great abuse and great neglect. What we weren't prepared for was the fact that she didn't want to be in our home. We thought, you know what, she's going to be happy to be with us. It's a stable environment. It's a safe environment. We're going to love her. But at the end of the day, the children don't want to be in our homes. They want to go back to that norm. My house is not their, their norm. My family is, we're strangers to these kids. It's frightening. It's traumatic for a child to be placed into a home where they don't know anybody. I want you to imagine a little girl who is late at night, maybe a seven-year-old girl late at night who is taken from her mother and her father unexpectedly from her house or home or stuffed animals or pets or toys or relatives, schools, teachers, everything. 
and thrust into a strange home with strange people with no explanation. And that little girl's gonna ask questions like, why am I here? When do I go home? Did I do something wrong? Does mommy, daddy not love me anymore? It's frightening. And I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, I also wasn't prepared for the fact that uh, when, they, when those kids, kids did leave my home, the huge hole in my own heart. Uh, I, I didn't expect to, to have that heartbreak so much. So I would tell foster parents to, um, those thinking about it, to be prepared for the unexpected, to be prepared for children who might resist you, children who are afraid of you, children who don't want to be there. I'd, be, I'd tell them to prepare themselves to fall in love with those children and have their hearts broken when those children do leave. I'd prepare them by telling them it's going to be a, an, an adventure, a roller coaster. It's never going to be boring. And um, that these children need time, compassion, patience, understanding, and above all, that type of unconditional love that God gives each of us. Hey, thank you for listening to the Iron Stream podcast. Uh, we're really excited that you've joined us and you're learning more about uh, what we're doing with Iron Stream. Uh, this week, we're taking a look at Dr. John DeGarmo's book, The Church and Foster Care. Let me encourage you, if you are a leader in your congregation and you have the ability to arrange or organize a small group or a Sunday school class, this would be a great small group curriculum for them to use for a season. Uh, let me encourage you, go out, get a copy, The Church and Foster Care. You can order it at newhopepublishers.com or Amazon or wherever books are sold. We encourage you to pick up a copy of Dr. DeGarmo's book, The Church and Foster Care. And thank you so much for listening to the Iron Stream podcast. John, one of the things that we're really stressing here today, this book is for the church. How can the church be a part of encouraging and supporting foster care parents and foster care kids? Uh, what's the role of the church in, in all of this? Well, as I said earlier, there's a, there's a great need for, for foster parents today. We have a, over 500,000 kids flooding into a system that can't handle it, mainly due to the opiate crisis, some of it due to human trafficking, children's sex trafficking, um, and for so many other reasons, and not enough homes. Caseworkers are overworked, overwhelmed, under-resourced, underpaid. Foster parents are overwhelmed as well. There's not enough homes. So this, and the government can't do it by itself. The government cannot do it by itself. The foster parents cannot do it by themselves. And as I said earlier, these children are in every community. We don't have to go far to find that mission field. So people of faith can support the kids by helping with, um, with school supplies, maybe being a mentor for the child, maybe being a tutor for the child. One of the things that my church does is every time a child is placed into a foster care home in our community, uh, or into my own home, if you will, is the church will bring us meals, cooked meals. And let me tell you, that is golden. <laughs> it's so golden. Because when I get home from work, my wife gets home from the work, and we have to take the child to a court case, or a therapist, or a counselor, or a visitation with the birth parents, or the child suffering some type of anxiety. We don't have time to sit there and prepare a healthy, nutritious meal. Sometimes the kids come to our homes with just the clothes in their back, maybe even stapled together, clothes stapled together. New, brand new clothing from a church for the children can be a, a gift, a blessing. 
many of these kids have never, have never experienced a birthday, a holiday, or a Christmas. So churches can help the foster parents by um, supplying Christmas presents or birthday gifts. When the kids go back to school, um, the school supplies is a great gift for these children as well. Children in foster care are generally a year and a half behind academically. 55% of them will drop out of school before they graduate. So mentors and tutors from church members can be a help as well for the kids. Now, I need to stress this. When the, when the church members, when churches and faith-based organizations are helping the kids, they're also helping those birth parents as well. Because when those birth parents see a part of their child healing, a part of that birth parent will heal as well. Even though those birth parents may have committed heinous crimes against these children, they're still children of God. Those, those birth parents are, are, are members of God's family. He loves them just as much as he loves me. And I have to remind myself that sometimes, that my sins are no less than these birth parents. Two of the three kids I've adopted are third-generation foster care, which means their parents and their grandparents were also in foster care, and the system failed them. And this is where the church can step up and say, you know what, we're going to stop that cycle of abuse. We're going to stop that generational cycle of neglect, and we're going to put an end to it right now. We're going to do it because God's calling us to do so. So you're really helping them. The church can help the whole community, the foster parents, the children, and the biological parents as well. Yeah, and all of this, and reading the book, has struck me too. All of this is tricky. All of this is time sensitive, and there's a lot of ways that it could go wrong. What do you think some of the biggest mistakes churches make are in encountering this kind of situation? Uh, you know, some of the biggest mistakes I think are are believing that the children are bad kids, or maybe making judgment upon the children, maybe passing judgment against the birth parents. Again, some of these birth parents have committed horrible, horrible crimes and atrocities against these, these children. But we can't judge. As people of faith, we can't judge others without looking the speck in our own eyes. I mean, the plank in my own eye is huge. And I have to remind myself of that when I'm dealing with these birth parents. Uh, they're hurting. They are in pain. So sometimes, sadly, the church will not reach out to those birth parents because they think that they're, they're bad people. And we can't do that. Uh, and we, can also, we can't also um, treat the kids as bad kids either. These aren't bad kids. They're victims of, of abuse, and they're, and they're children who need to be loved. And, and one of the things I love about my church is when, it, when I bring a child into my church on Sunday morning, there are people who rush to take those kids off, off the hands and the arms of my wife and I and sit and hold them and and uh, comfort them and talk to them and, and sue them. That's great. That's how it should be. It's exactly how it should be. Yeah. And once that, you know, once they've been in this system for a while, once they have been integrated into that church community, one of the biggest challenges that I think people in their line of work face is once the kids actually age out of the foster care system, like how do we prepare them for that? And how do we prepare ourselves for that as Christians and, you know, in that kind of church environment? Well, when children age out of foster care, the statistics are pretty grim. 55% will drop out of school. 65% will end up homeless. 75% will end up incarcerated or jailed at some point. And like I said earlier, two of the three of my own will end up back in foster care. The system will repeat itself. 
pregnancy is very high for, for girls leaving foster care. So the church can help prepare these children, these youth, by providing them support throughout the entire process, by um, the teaching them important living skills and social skills. You know, I, I am currently uh, helping four kids of my own who used to live in my own home. They're no longer in the foster care system, but I continue to help them with, with uh, school supplies. Two of them are in college. I'm helping one who is uh, pregnant with um, some supplies, things like that. That's what we need to do. We continue to help these children in some way. We just can't kick them to the curb. No 18-year-old is ready to be on their own uh, with, in today's society. And these kids are suffering from incredible abuse and trauma and anxiety. They don't have that high school diploma. They don't have that support system. They have nobody who's going to call them up when they're sick. No one's going to visit them um, and bring them soup. Who are they going to call when they have a flat tire on a Sunday night? Uh, who's going to sing them happy birthday? This is where people of faith can step up and support these kids in that way. Maybe teach them important job skills. Maybe offer them a job or uh, internship of some kind. Maybe um, provide them some, some um, living supplies like pots and pans and dishes. Maybe help them get a driver's license or learn how to fill out a job application. Maybe teach them how to read. I've got a 15-year-old right now, 15-year-old right now, who can't read past the first grade. So there's so many opportunities that we as people of faith can prepare these kids before they do age out so it doesn't happen again to their children. So let's say somebody, throw a hypothetical at you. Let's say we're, we're in a Sunday school, we're going through this book, and I'm a church member and I'm thinking, okay, I want to get involved. I want to uh, open my home up to be a foster home what would you counsel that person as step one and what would be the first bit of advice that you would give them? Step one, first thing I would advise is to, if they're married, to talk to their partner, talk to their spouse and make sure they're both on the same feet. They're both in the same agreement because if one person wants to be a foster parent and the other one does not want to be, it can be an incredible strain upon their marriage, incredible strain upon their relationship because when you're a foster parent and these children are coming into your home, and they are suffering from abuse, and they are suffering from incredible anxiety and trauma. It is draining for a family because all of your attention is focused upon that child. And sometimes, sadly, marriages can be neglected. Relationships can be neglected because you're placing it on that child. So you both have to be in agreement that this is something that you're both feeling called to do. The next thing I would encourage you to do is to contact your local child welfare agency, whether it's a state-run one or a private one or a faith-based one in your area, and begin the classes. And get ready, get ready for a life that is going to be unlike anything you've ever done before. It is never dull, never boring being a foster parent. There's a new adventure every day. And you know what? That can be so rewarding. I've seen kids in my own home who have learned how to laugh for the very first time. I've learned, I've, I've seen children seven, eight, nine years of age who have learned how to laugh, to smile, to smile for the first time because they've suffered so much. Yeah. And so if you could pick out, you've only got 30 seconds to explain everything that's in this book and the most important thing to you, to somebody, what would it be and why? Well, the most important thing I, th I said earlier is this is a mission field, I think, for people's, uh, people of faith. 
not everybody can be a foster parent. Not everybody is being called to do it. Not everybody has the resources to do it. Yet, each of us in some way can help a child in foster care in some way. This is today's next great mission field for people of faith. And it's right here in our own communities. No, John, we appreciate your time today. We're looking forward to the uh, book coming out. And uh, really, really thrilled for uh, the opportunity we have to partner with you in uh, letting churches know about the importance of uh, foster care and ways that we can cooperate together with foster care parents to make us even, even more, uh, uh, not only make us aware, but just give us the handles and the tools to use in assisting and helping going forward. So uh, I'm excited for what God's going to do through your book. No, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Welcome back into the Iron Stream podcast. We just heard from Dr. John DeGarmo. And John, what were your biggest takeaways from what Dr. DeGarmo had to say? Well, I loved his practical insight on how the church can get you know, involved tangibly. I mean, we can actually, even though that, that may not be our calling to be a foster family or maybe we're not even we're not called to adoption. But within the church, we can support those families who do have that calling. One of the things that we can do is we could you know, do a clothes closet for those, those kids in foster care. We could, uh, you know, do a camp spo- uh, sponsorship or a scholarship, or we could buy an instrument for a child who wants to learn to play an instrument, but it might be an extra burden for the foster family to, to cover that expense, or it's an expense that, you know, traditionally they may not be reimbursed for. So uh, tons of ideas, great ways that churches can be more uh, involved in, ministering to the lives of those kids in foster care. I think this was a good beneficial read for really anybody uh, coming in with any kind of perspective, because for me, not having any experience with foster care system on any side of it, we've been able to hear Dr. DeGama's perspective was really, really valuable. I thought just because again, I don't have any personal experience with that system at all, but even more importantly, like you said, I do go to church and I am a part of a church family and there are people who have foster kids in their home at my church. So being able to be a part of that without, like you said, necessarily being called to actually adopt. I think that was a really important distinction, but also a really important encouragement from him for people to be able to be a part of those kids' lives and help make their lives better without necessarily needing to open up their homes. Yeah, some of some sense. of the foster families I know, they feel like they're on an island. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no really strong support group for them. They do have the the state who kind of monitors what happens in the home if it's a placement from the state, but for themselves personally, sometimes they just get overwhelmed with all the extra that goes along with being a foster parent. Mm-hmm. So if there are ways that the church can be actively involved in promoting a small group or a support group or in some way encouraging that as a ministry of the church. I think that's just going to be uh, so beneficial for those children. Yeah. It was awesome to hear everything that he had to say, um, especially on that front. So this is episode two of Iron Stream podcast, but episode three is coming down the pipeline. So John, tell us a little bit about it. Hey, it's guest. like a slow hanging curveball, yeah, my friend. Uh, we've got Dell Didway, uh, who has written a new book for us. The, the title of the book is Dugout Devotions, 
inspirational hits from uh, MLB's best. Uh, Dell is a personal friend of mine. He is a, a great communicator. Uh, he is a author, writer. He does lots of uh, newspaper articles and uh, just a tremendous guy. He has done, uh, he, he has gone and he's visited spring training. Uh, he's gone to some of the games. He's met in locker rooms, but he has interviewed several outstanding MLB players and uh, has gotten uh, devotional thoughts from each one of them. And so he has given us 31 devotional thoughts in this first edition of Dugout Devotions. It would be a great hit for uh, those of you who are looking for uh, uh, gifts for graduation or uh, kids who play baseball or your sports nut, or if you just want a daily devotional to put in, in, in your guy's life, you know, maybe it's for your son or your, your husband, and you want them to have something that will inspire them and motivate them uh, to grow deeper with their Lord. I think uh, I'm just really excited about uh, Dell's new book. Yeah, I'm a bit of a baseball nerd, so I'm also really excited about Dell's book. But we hope you enjoyed this episode, the interview with Dr. DeGarmo, and we're looking forward to getting into Dell's work next time. Thanks so much. This has been the Iron Street Podcast.